This is Tim Tap, host of Tap Into the Truth that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Networks. Command codes verified. Is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. And politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned who went. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Ask for more. All the bodies made out of foreign shorts. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned who went. Hello, welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and we are indeed live tonight. It is Friday, and we are broadcasting across multiple platforms tonight. So very glad to have you here along for the ride, of course. Uh, especially if you are listening live uh, anywhere across the Vera Networks. That includes thelastfrequency.com. It also includes WCETFM in beautiful Columbia, South Carolina, uh, over the airwaves. It also includes Liberty Talk FM. And, of course, we have the K-Star Talk Radio Network. And, uh, last but certainly not least, ZMA Radio, and that's just the live options. Lots of you will still listen after the fact to the podcast, and regardless of where and when you're listening, thank you so much for doing so. I appreciate it. Uh, we should have a very 
interesting and fun evening as we will be talking uh, to several guests tonight. We've gone full-born. We've got four top-notch guests. We'll be kicking things off here shortly with Dr. J. Michael Waller. We'll be talking about his book, Big Intel, how the CIA and the FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. Uh, After that, we'll be talking to return guest Scott McKay. Uh, We'll be asking the question, are we still living in Obama's America. I think we all know the answer to that. In the second hour, we'll be joined once again by return guest Jason Shepard. We'll be talking about his time at CPAC, and we will, of course, also discuss Google's Gemini AI, along with the new dating app that they have launched over there from Wimkin. Uh, And then we will close things out with Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, She'll be joining us as well. So uh, three returning guests and one first-time guest when it comes to uh, Dr. Michael Waller. So going to going to look forward to these conversations. And of course, you know, it's Friday. So we do all the usual Friday things before we jump into anything, though. Definitely need to remind you once again that literally two thirds of Americans are currently at risk of experiencing a long term blackout. You could be one of those folks. You could find yourself sitting in the dark and in the cold for hours, days, maybe even weeks, depending on the cause of that blackout. So the question is, are you ready to protect your family? Are you ready to keep the lights on when your neighbors can't? Well, our friends over at 4Patriots want to make sure that I remind you that you very well could be If you have a Power Patriot Generator 2000X, the brand new top of the line, uh, worth its weight in gold solar generator, it's brand new. And the reason why the people who already have one of these generators will tell you that it's worth its weight in gold, well, it's because this particular generator has doubled the capacity of its predecessors, and it is expandable, meaning you can do even more with it. You can run big appliances like a refrigerator if you need to, and you can run it for longer than you could with any of the previous iterations. Uh, You also can run other devices. Good example, some things that I've actually uh, worked with them, uh, electric blankets microwaves a couple that i've been told it can do but i haven't personally done uh, an rv air conditioner or even an electric wheelchair other medical devices as well you get 12 outlets on this bad boy including four ac outlets so you can power more devices at one time if you need to you got two usb-c outlets means you can charge your phone back up 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, it's safe, safer than any other type of backup generator. Why? Well, because it's fume-free. It's safe to bring it inside. You can run it where you need to run it. It never needs gas, ever. Look, there's already over 150,000 Americans out there that trust Patriot Power Generators. You could be one of them. Visit the website just for listeners of the show. You're going to the web page for patriots.com backslash TAPP. Uh, that's going to land you on this week's deals and discounts. But at the top of that page, you'll see a tab that will let you go straight to the solar generators if that's what you want to check out. Uh, what are you waiting for? For patriots.com backslash TAPP. That's the number four. And that'll get you where you're going. All right. What do you say we go ahead and get started with today's uh, guest? 
in case you just joined us, showing up a little bit late, we've got Dr. J. Michael Waller. He's the author of Big Intel, How the CIA and the FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains. He is Senior Analyst for Strategy at the Center for Security Policy and president of Georgetown Research, a political risk and private intelligence company. He's worked for the CIA in Central America. He did groundbreaking scholarship after the Soviet empire breakup. He's taught history and methods at America's premier intelligence schools. Uh, his resume goes on and on. I could really just spend our entire time talking about uh, his resume. He served his country, and he continues to do such now in an effort to make sure that we're aware of what's going on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Dr. Michael Waller. Uh, Dr. Waller, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tim. It's great to be on your show. All right. Well, uh, Appreciate you being here. As always, uh, giving up part of a weekend is a, usually a pretty big ask, and uh, again, just shows your dedication to the cause. Uh, you've done a lot of work in the field. Uh, you have been sounding the alarm recently about how the left has subverted the CIA and the FBI, and the the book goes a long way towards laying out exactly the history of what's happened and uh, your firsthand accounts of things you've seen. We've talked a lot on this particular show about how the left and the Marxist ideologies has gotten a foothold in this country by breaking up the family unit and by grabbing hold of the education levers. And those are two things that you very much agree with, correct? Right. Yeah, this was a campaign that really began to destroy our whole society, uh, all of Western society, our, our sense of... Uh, values our patriotism our our um uh, our moral traditions the difference between right and wrong good and bad and even to tear apart the nuclear family and it began as in over a century ago and it was aimed at at all the western democracies but it particularly came to attack us in the early 1930s when they started coming over here from europe and we started hiring them in our universities columbia university being the first one they infiltrated our intelligence services, our brand-new uh, Office of Strategic Services during World War II, and later on the CIA and the, uh, uh, the rest of our society. But just as important, they took up positions at the, at the colleges to teach future teachers, and they spread critical theory, critical race theory being part of it, uh, in, in order to cause ourselves to throw out everything we believe in over time, indoctrinate our kids, and then they grow up to get successive now generations of this and, uh, and, and bring us to where we are today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a very patient, very long-term plan. These folks have laid down the groundwork and uh, I think the, the overall insidiousness of the damage that's done, we're really starting to see the effects now more than previously because at this point we have people in positions of authority, in positions that they're supposed to be mentors and teachers and educators, uh, people that are holding elected office, and certainly people in what we uh, affectionately refer to now as the deep state who really have no idea that they themselves have been victims of indoctrination. They're passing along indoctrination. They think that they're just teaching what's supposed to be taught, uh, which is part of 
uh, what makes it so dangerous because you have a lot of relatively intelligent people that we keep trying to assert a certain level of incompetence or that, hey, they're just not that bright because they've fallen into this. But they're actually very, very clever. They've just been victims of indoctrination. Uh, how much of this have you seen on that level? Uh, and how much would you say maybe still does fall to a certain level of incompetence? Because I think the most dangerous thing that's happened is when you stop teaching critical thinking and then you have folks that simply don't seem to be capable capable of it anymore, it opens a lot of very dangerous doors. But again, uh, how much would you say falls into that insidious level and how much currently going on maybe does still fall back to just incompetence? Well, if it was merely, um, uh, you know, a sort of wickedness of certain people, subversiveness, that would be easier to deal with. But as you just pointed out, a lot of these people don't even realize that they have been indoctrinated. And they honestly believe in their heart of hearts that they're doing the right thing. And if you meet them, they're perfectly fine, very nice people, many of them. Try and convince them that they have been uh, duped or subverted, and it's a very tough thing. And this is one of the, uh, one of the things that made it uh, uh, an interest of mine to pursue this issue for a very long time was when I was a teenager, I was duped. I was an anti-nuclear activist. I wanted to I, you know, save the environment. And I got caught up in all this stuff. This was in the 1970s. And I realized after a while that I was being duped for a really pernicious cause. And this was when some leaders uh, who, were, who were going after high school kids, and they brought me into what I later learned was a struggle session to tear, tear me apart uh, psychologically and to try to get me to tear myself apart psychologically so then they could... Uh, reset my whole way of thinking, and one of them made a terrible mistake. He was an older guy. He had supported the enemy, uh, the communists, during the Vietnam War. He said, you stupid kid, this isn't about the environment. This is about overthrowing American capitalism. So I learned right there as a teenager what a lot of these movements were about, or at least how uh, you know, evil forces designed to overthrow our way of life have hijacked them and are duping, you know, perfectly decent American citizens. So I thought I'm going to devote my life to fighting these guys and thought I would do it uh, through with the CIA and, 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 and uh, making a lot of friends in the FBI. But then after, after a few years, I realized it's happened to those institutions too. Yeah. I mean, we're really looking at a case where, Organizations that are supposed to be non-political, that are supposed to be non-partisan, that are supposed to go about doing their jobs and their job is to support the greater good, uh, you can get into more specifics depending on the agency in question, but it was all about putting America and Americans in the best possible situation. And that just doesn't seem to be the case anymore because these folks have not rank and file agents necessarily, but the people at the top have been turned into political advocates and political operatives. And it's probably a much easier thing to do once you've already convinced them that maybe America's not worth 
moving forward the way she was founded, that maybe she is that root uh, cause of evil around the world because you've bought into that Marxism. You've bought into the idea of uh, colonialism and white supremacies behind everything. Uh, is that a factor that you've seen yourself in some of these situations, or is it something a bit even deeper than that? Well, that you just nailed it right there, Tim, because it's it's not like uh, this is just liberals. It's not it's, the CIA has always been a liberal uh, institution. For, uh, it, think of it as a as a as a secret state department in terms of its mentality. So so there's no mystery there, and and the CIA has still believed in in our constitution and believed in our founding principles, even when it was a predominantly liberal institution. But it doesn't anymore. You have now the CIA and the FBI believe themselves to be a state within a state. They believe themselves to be unaccountable to Congress, unaccountable to the public through its elected representatives. And no one said this better than Senator Chuck Schumer, of all people, you know, the highest ranking senator, most one of the most powerful men in the country. When President Trump was first in office in 2017, and he wanted to take on this problem of the abuse of intelligence services in the FBI. And Schumer said, you go after them and they're going, they have six ways of, from Sunday to come after you. So here you've got one of those liberal Democrats in, in the Senate saying, neither I as a liberal senator nor Donald Trump as a Republican president, none of us can touch these entities because they will come after us. Yeah, I think one of the saddest points uh, in our uh, country's history right now was that very quiet, very under-the-rug moment when people with their hands on the levers of power uh, stopped reading uh, books like 1984 and uh, – Brave New World uh, as a dystopian warning and started reading it as a how-to book. Uh, it's it's yeah. unfortunately, uh, when you're looking at uh, that situation, we're there. Now, obviously, this is something that you've seen firsthand. Uh, you've seen it go from quiet whispers to become this more direct uh, – you know, almost fearless, uh, unapologetic statements that are made uh, on occasions where reminded that they do have the power. But given that circumstance, what was the triggering point for you that made you decide that this book needed to be written uh, the way you have? Because uh, usually uh, lots of little things will kind of build up, but there will be that one moment that makes you decide, all right, this is it. Uh, this has to be said. If nobody else is going to do it, I will. Well, it was a combination of things. First, the uh, the, the publisher came to me to ask me to write a more um, uh, tongue-in-cheek book about the CIA. And by this time, I'd spent over 40 years in Washington him uh, since college. I was never part of the apparatus. I was never part of the, the swamp, uh, but I, I lived there and I worked around it and through it mainly as a journalist and as a think tank guy. And, and I just, I just had enough. And so I went back to my home state, found a place out in the country. And I just said, you know, tell with Washington, I'm out of here. I'm done. But then I thought, you're just a coward. You're running away. 
at a time when people are finally becoming aware of the things that you've been seeing, you have to tell the story, you have to document what you know, you have to learn more about it, and you have to tell the public. So I wrote Big Intel. What, what's been the reaction so far? I, I mean, uh, I would imagine there's the usual pushback from the usual characters, but uh, uh, as far as the folks that have been uh, picking it up and giving it an honest read, what kind of feedback have you gotten to this point? Well, surprisingly, it's been positive, almost completely positive, and then dead silence. I took the trouble in, in uh, Big Intel to name names. Who did this? And why? And when? And for what reasons? So I named the names. I quoted the, the original documents. And I got silence. And I'm wondering why and what that was. Obviously, something's going to happen. Um, there's been zero interest in the big mainstream media on this, even though news releases have gone out in timely fashions. And uh, there's, there's been absolutely no interest. Well, in, in Britain and Australia... And Canada, there have been interest, but not in the mainstream American media. Right. So that silence is very interesting. But so far, no real pushback or attacks, at least not yet. Yeah. Well, I think given your background, it would be a little harder than for most folks to just try to impugn your character and dismiss you as being just some – another angry person writing a book, naming names. Uh, so uh, maybe that quiet is just in hoping that if they don't make much noise, it won't draw much attention. So we'll do everything in our power to make sure that more attention is drawn to the book and uh, that uh, that information is made public and gets in the hands of more people. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the clock, and we're already uh, quickly running out of time. So uh, let me ask you one more question, and then we'll uh, wrap things up. During the course of uh, pulling all your information together and doing uh, the research that you needed to do for verifications, did you come across anything that still surprised you that maybe you weren't aware of or maybe something that you had seen but had forgotten and couldn't believe that you forgot anything along those lines? Oh, there was a lot. But one of the things I learned was that this effort was planned over 100 years ago. I had no idea. I was tracing back. Think, uh, the book was just going to be about the Obama, Trump, and Biden period. And then I started pulling the rope and finding this you know, red thread, as Diana West calls it, and tracing it back to its origins and found a, an unbroken chain of intellectual custody from a 1922 meeting in Moscow with the Communist International leadership, the Comintern, and the founder of the KGB, Felix Trzinski, to set this thing in motion in 1922 and aim it at Europe. And then the, the Europeans then brought it to America, and we imported it and, and internalized it. So I had no idea that this was a hundred-year, a uh, hundred-year-old mission that the Soviets had started. And you know, they even said at the time, this will take decades, if not generations, and we won't be alive to see it come to fruition. They had that long-range strategic planning when they put this critical theory and cultural Marxist agenda together. And the other surprise was that J. Edgar Hoover of the FBI, he had been warning about this since 1920. And everything Hoover said, regardless of what people think of the man, he warned us the entire time since 1920. And everything he said turned out to be true. 
Well, I want to thank you for putting in the time and effort that you have to get this information out there. Uh, real quick, before we say final goodbyes, let everybody know where they can find the uh, book. Uh, feel free to share any websites that you would like to throw out. And if you're inviting people to follow you on social media, feel free to share those handles and platforms. And then any final thoughts you want to send, uh, you can uh, finish up with that. All right. Well, I'm on Twitter at J. Michael Waller, and our organization, the Center for Security Policy, our website is securefreedom.org, and the book, Big Intel, is available anyplace online. It's available at Books a Million and, and at Barnes and & Noble, Amazon, uh, but it's also available at Costco, and actually at Costco, it's, uh, it's about uh, $12 cheaper than, than Barnes & Noble, so if people want to go to Costco and pick it up, that'll be the best deal anywhere. All right. Well, again, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, Dr. Waller. I hope we can get together and uh, have a conversation involving some of the more direct uh, issues of the day at some point soon. Uh, but definitely wanted to focus on the book a lot tonight since you were a first-time guest. And I do think this is one of those important books that uh, people don't know how much they need to have it in their personal libraries until they get a chance to read it. It's a very, very good piece of ammunition to try to help uh, save uh, our republic as she was founded. So appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, Godspeed to you, sir. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Tim. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Dr. J. Michael Waller, uh, as I've said before, author of Big Intel, How the CIA and the FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Fellows. You know, and we barely even got to scratch into the real issues going on in the book and, and how that transition occurred. Uh, we kind of scooped over it because it really feels like there's barely enough time to get into it. So I definitely will uh, uh, make every effort to let a little time pass and then try to get him back on and, and discuss that further because I think it's an interesting topic. And I want to give you guys an opportunity to pick up a copy of the book. I'll also put links in the show description for the podcast for those of you that are listening after the fact. You'll be able to click that. Uh, in the meanwhile, we're going to go ahead and take our mid-hour break. And uh, when we come back, if all all goes as planned, which, as you know, on a Friday, who knows? But uh, if uh, all goes as planned, we'll have Scott McKay with us. Uh, meanwhile, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Sir, I protest. I am not a merry man. You have the right. I have the right. We all have the Second Amendment right. And that's the truth with Tim Tapp. Recent two anthem stint at the 2024 Super Bowl was not just a stupid woke affair, but it represented a truly vile mentality. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's Space from the Overs Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Yes, it was woke and stupid to think it would be cool or acceptable to have two separate national anthems. But what the woke NFL did was encourage boorish 
leftist black Americans who literally hate the United States to shove their unwanted, vile black anthem into the face and down the throats of Americans who appreciate our national anthem and simply wanted to watch and enjoy the Super Bowl. The people promoting the Little Black Anthem and Black Lives Matter Week in schools are not trying to become part of the American culture, but rather they are part of the uncultured masses seeking to literally help destroy our exceptional nation rather than working with strong, good-hearted Americans to encourage and help our republic live up to her wonderful God-inspired ideals inculcated in the original Constitution and the Holy Bible. Wake up, my fellow Americans. The republic you save may be your own. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays to find out where. Simply go to theronedwards.com. These stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key, the idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Constitutional Grounds. The hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE10 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akiari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal, and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, 
BEMMO, Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink, conquer, repeat. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom moth levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. From all of us here at MyPillow, Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Sold my house in the city last year Said I gotta get the hell out of here Goodbye crime so long skyscrapers Best part is I got some Republican neighbors You're listening to Tap Into The Truth They brought us ice cold beer soon as we moved in Ain't nobody ever heard of CNN there's fireworks and parties every 4th of July. The girls wear dresses and the men wear boots. Our kids all know which bathroom to use. Every house got a big old flag and a couple of acres. Damn, I love my Republican neighbors. Beam us up. Prepare to beam us up, Mr. Scott. Beam us up, Mr. Scott. Prepare to beam us up. Mr. Scott, prepare to beam us up. Have Scotty beam us up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for staying with us through that very brief break. Obviously, you've noticed the theme by now. We're having a Star Trek kind of variety night, and you know what? I'm digging it. All right, before we uh, get on to our next guest, I do have something else. Now, early this past week, news broke that several different bigwigs were cashing in on uh, the stock market while the going was good. The selling was also taking place across several different industries. We saw Jeff Bezos dump $9 billion worth of Amazon stock shares this past week. J.P. Morgan CEO uh, Jamie Dimon, he unloaded $150 million of J.P. Morgan stock 
his first ever sale, by the way. Meta's Mark Zuckerberg also took profits by dropping $650 million in shares of the social media giant uh, in recent weeks, as well as a significant number of sales by other executives and directors uh, like, say, the Walton family, for example, from Walmart. Now, this kind of information, when it's uh, – put together and you see the trend, well, it tends to make investors a little bit nervous, especially when so much of the so-called smart money is departing from the most valuable companies in the world. If you're in the market, however, don't panic, but it just might be a pretty good time to check out Harvard Gold Group's Free Investor's Guide. Gold and silver are excellent safe harbors when the markets take a tumble. And if you use promo code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, or talk to a live person by calling 844-977-GOLD, that's 844-977-4653, and let them know that you heard about them from TAP into the truth, you can take advantage of additional promotional offers. Okay, so it's worthwhile to let them know where you heard about them. They're the premier conservative gold company. They make it easy to buy and sell. They're Better Business Bureau uh, approved. They've got triple A ratings across the board. They're just a phenomenal agency. They're the group I trust. I do business with them, uh, and I've got some gold and some silver physically delivered. It's great. So whether you're looking to protect your retirement, or if you just want to have some gold in hand, which is a pretty cool feeling, give them a call. Again, that's Harvard Gold Group. That number is 844-977-GOLD, 844-977-4653, or you can give them a visit online at harvardgoldgroup.com. Either way, works great for them and will work great for you. Uh, Trust me, just give them a call. Let them know what's going on, where you heard, and get the information. Right now, they're offering uh, uh, several free reports, certainly worth your time. All right, with that being said, it is time for us to get back to the show, shall we? want to welcome back a returning guest, uh, Mr. Scott McKay. He's the author of Racism, Revenge, and Ruin, It's All Obama. But that's just part of what he does. He is, of course, the publisher of The Hayride, which is a fantastic culture and politics site. It covers southern and national current events, and just it's a lot of fun, but it's also extremely informative. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show once again, Mr. Scott McKay. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for joining us again tonight, and how are you doing today? Hey, Tim, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. All right. Well, you know, at some point, uh, we've got to get together when we can talk about some good things, uh, because it it seems like there's a very short supply of that. And, uh, of course, our conversation tonight, we see the disaster of what Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is barely able to shuffle about without you just thinking he's going to fall over at any time. He started wearing the dark Brandon sunglasses again, so you get a very weekend at Bernie's feel, and it leads us to starting out with uh, the very uh, real question that I know you have a very passionate answer about. Are we, in fact, still living in Obama's America? 
uh, well, I wouldn't have written uh, racism, revenge, and ruin if I didn't believe that was true. Uh, I mean, and, and I, you know, everything that happens makes me more convicted along those lines because it's it's patently obvious that this guy is not in charge of his own White House, um, and it's patently obvious that he is not, uh, in any real sense of the word, the president of the United States. He's a figurehead that's trotted out. Uh, for uh, for the folks to look at, and the real decisions are being made uh, at a different level, whether above or below. I think it's above uh, Joe Biden altogether. Yeah. Well, you know, from the very beginning, from the onset, when Biden announced that he was going to be the candidate, uh, it felt like he was going to be a front man. From, from the onset, because, you know, he tried running before several times. He was a failed candidate. He's a flawed individual to, to begin with, even when he had full control of his faculties. He wasn't a very nice guy. A lot of people have forgotten that about him. Uh, if you were his friend, uh, he was certainly nice enough. But if you were somebody in front of a committee trying to give testimony and it wasn't the kind of thing he wanted to hear, he would berate you, downgrade you, and treat you like you were beneath his uh, ability to even elevate to contempt. And he did that to a lot of Americans. And so I have a hard time feeling sympathy for him. But even now, when I see what's happening and see the legitimate elder abuse that's clearly happening, I still almost kind of get a twinge of sympathy. And then I try to squash it out. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm my humanity is showing, but I need to remember what this guy was. But my theory had always been that we already know that he's slipping. It's likely to pick up speed. This is a case where they're going to let him be the front guy so that he can take the blame in the event that the American people do push back and want to hold somebody accountable, they'll have cover. Is that the same feeling that you had and why you decided to write the book? I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and once I started looking around for, uh, you know, who's actually the power behind the throne, I guess, uh, you know, it became real obvious that, I mean, you just look at it, like who's on who's in this guy's administration and they were all Obama people. And that, you know, that is the number one thing that uh, that you can kind of take as a as a, I guess, proof of uh, the fact that this is not Joe Biden's administration in any meaningful sense, is if you look at the cabinet, you look at the Biden inner circle, it is a whole bunch of Obama people. And look, uh, this is, you know, this is not altogether an unusual thing to have holdovers from previous, say, Democrat administrations when a Democrat is president or, or Republican administrations when a, when a Republican is president. But there's always a mix. There's always, you know, there's holdovers and then there's guys who came in with the, uh, the, uh, you know, the the uh, the new president, whether, he, you know, they were with him when he was a governor or a senator or what have you. Um, but in this case, with Biden, it there's there's all of the former and none of the latter. Um, and I mean, it is very pronounced how much uh, influence Obama people have in the Biden administration. And, the, you know, and, and the the way that plays out is colossally important 
right? I mean, you know, this was a guy who ran as a centrist, as a moderate, which, you know, wasn't really his brand. I mean, the guy's voting record in the Senate was as liberal as the day is long. But, you know, he had held himself out as a kind of old school union Democrat uh, uh, type of guy. And yet he's got the most left wing administration uh, anybody's ever seen. And on issues that um, it is <laughs> like patently obvious that whoever's actually making the decisions really doesn't care so much about Joe Biden's political future. And, you know, the number one issue that I would offer up as proof of that is the border, right? Because if you were Joe Biden and you are on brand as sort of a not very principled old school Democrat politician uh, who cared a whole lot about polls and getting reelected, you would have a long time ago turned the temperature down on the border and started stopping people from coming in so that you could get the issue off the books and run on whatever, abortion, January 6th, whatever issue it is that Democrats uh, think that they can win the election on. Instead, the border is everything in this election cycle. And I think that that brand is largely set. I don't know that he can, you know, uh, recover from the damage that's already been done. Um, and yet there's no concrete action being taken. Biden goes to the border and he runs his mouth essentially about how the Republicans are at fault for all of this and nobody's buying it. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird sort of situation for him to, to, uh, uh, to navigate at this point. And yet, you know, they're, they're not really trying much to navigate it. That tells me that the people who run Joe Biden don't care about Joe Biden. What they care about is the long-term aspect of what the border can produce for the Democrat Party over the course of several years. And when I say several years, I mean a generation, because all of these illegals are going to come into the country. They're going to get put on welfare uh, they're going to assimilate into American culture, all right. They're going to assimilate into welfare culture, and their kids will be welfare culture assimilated, and those kids are going to be voters in 18 to 20 years, and they're going to all be Democrats, or at least that's how these guys see it. And that is more important than whether Joe Biden gets reelected or not. All right. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. The replacement theory uh, is a bad thing to say. It I mean, like it's that, not a theory, it, Tim. <laughs> I mean, it's like that. You know, like the first it was never really a theory because the Democrats, you know, they had political consultants and their thinkers had written books for 25 years talking about the emerging, you know, Democrat majority and how the uh, immigration was going to change America and make you know Democrats the permanent majority party in this country. And then when conservatives started picking up on it, it was like, oh, that's just a racist, you know, Nazi conspiracy theory. It's like, well, no, you put it in books. And then, you know, it became patently obvious when the public really turned against illegal immigration and the Democrats kept pushing it. It became patently obvious that this was not a theory, that this was fact, you know, and, and it wasn't even something that they were contesting before it started to become, uh, you know, unpopular for them to do so. Now it's this racist theory. And, you know, immigrants don't have a particular race, 
I mean, right. they come from all kinds of people. You can have illegal Ukrainians, and you can have illegal Swedes, and you can have illegal, you know, uh, Laotians and illegal Bolivians. They're all illegal, okay? <laughs> and that's an issue. And I, it, it's amazing that somehow this is a racial thing uh, when we take in people of all races legally. Right. What about them? Well, you see, they're they're second in line, and then the American citizen is last in line. And that, that, in exactly. fact, it really it really seems to make them angry when uh, folks want to come in and follow the legal path because that just proves that it can be done, and, and you don't have to just leave the borders open. But you know, to to your earlier sure. point. Uh, you, you left off a very important uh, segment of people that are illegally coming into the country in rather large numbers recently, and that's Chinese nationals. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but beyond that, uh, your earlier, uh, before that point about all of the influence of the Obama administration, literally everything that the Biden administration has done that is harmful is a thing that the Obama uh, administration tried to do. And again, they were still yes. playing with this incrementalism and they were trying to go slowly and trying to, to make sure that it was more of a, a gentle nudge and uh, too much damage would be done by the time we figured it out. Uh, but it's like they've taken a whole new tact here. It's like they know that they've got to go full board. They know they've got a limited time with Biden. I think they honestly expect him to kill over at any second. So they're trying to get as much done as possible in a short amount of time because they do expect whatever the next administration is and whoever is running it, that they were going to go to work immediately at trying to undo it. So you've got to get them all inter intertwined and intertangled. Uh, what do you expect to see uh, as we're actually already quickly running out of time? What do you expect to see uh, from the election, from this cycle as we move forward? And is there somebody that you would like to see uh, brought out into the light of day and held accountable in a realistic fashion that you think could possibly happen? Well, um, I would, I, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that there is an election, and I don't mean to say that in any kind of, you know, really um, uh, uh, alarmist way, but uh, the thing that scares me about the Obama Democrats is that I don't see any limiting principle to these guys. Uh, they escalate. They don't, you know, they don't admit defeat. And uh, that's a concern because you look at these polls, and of course, you know, there's a lot of people out there like, well, they just will harvest enough ballots to win the thing. But when you look at, a, you know, polls in Pennsylvania that have, bought, you know, Trump up six or seven in a two-way race against Biden. Uh, and that doesn't count RFK Jr. or Cornell West or some of these other people that are running, almost all of whom pull from Biden. Um, you know, you, you start looking at numbers and it starts looking like the Democrats are not going to be able to win this election. And I mean, you know, it's we're talking it's the beginning of March. So you have a very long this is eight months before this thing happens. It, you know, there's an enormous amount of time. But what you don't see with Biden is a whole lot of upside. Right. Like, I don't know how it's going to get a lot better between now and November. So when you start seeing two way races and Trump is beating Biden and the third party candidates are going to pull from Biden more than Trump, 
then you start to look at okay, the, you know this is this is a situation where they may very well have to give up power in, in the executive branch, and Trump is already planning on destroying the deep state when he gets in office. So the stakes are so high. You know what are they willing to do? And you know in the past that the answer has been whatever it takes to 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 you know hold political power. You know whether that was spying on Trump's uh, uh, campaign workers, whether it was fabricating a a basically an accusation of treason, whether it was uh, you know lying about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop and using the intelligence community to do it. I mean. You know, January 6th and all the irregularities associated with that, the election, the irregularities. I mean, we're looking at an irregular year. And uh, that's a little scary because I don't think the Democrats are in a good position vis a vis regular, ordinary politics. They've not governed well. The public is not happy. The real clear politics average of uh, right track, wrong track says only 23.9 percent say the country's on the right track, which is has got to be a historic low. Um, and, you know, the Democrats are the people that are li- likely to get blamed for that. So, you know, like, I, you know, are these guys just going to go away? Well, that's not their history. And I don't really know what to make of it from there. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing unless uh, unprecedented lawfare being used against uh, the presumptive nominee from the Republican Party. And we're seeing a clear lack of willing to even address reality. Uh, Our our judicial system is being turned into a mockery. We are living in some type of strange police state slash. banana republic kind of uh situation that it's just it's unreal it's unfathomable to believe that we're seeing the merrick or as i like to refer to a meritless garland doj literally just going around and targeting people that disagree with the current regime uh whether it's people protesting at abortion clinics or people that uh, happen to be present at uh, the January 6th event. Uh, I mean, uh, we just saw journalists arrested today uh, because he did to walk in. And we've got a CBS journalist who's had all her stuff taken away because she wanted to report about Hunter Biden. And that's a situation. So uh, these are, at the very least, perilous times. And, And you're right. I don't think... Because they believe so firmly that they are on the right side, that they are correct, so the ends justify the means. Uh, I don't know that there is a line they're not willing to cross, and that does make it very dangerous times. Uh, Is there uh, there any kind of surprise you expect to see, though? Uh, Do you give any merit to the ongoing uh, ideology that at the Democratic convention they're going to – uh, switch out and change candidates, or do you think they will make every effort to ride uh, this weekend at Bernie's Joe Biden for as long as they can? Well, I think they would love to parachute Michelle Obama in for Biden. Um, I, there's two major problems with that. There are more problems with it than, than than just these two, but the two major problems are that she's not about the work. Like, yeah. she's not 
you know, she's not a professional politician. Uh, she's never shown any real desire to be president. Um, and then the second thing is, is you can't tell Michelle Obama what to do. So, you know, maybe they can change her mind and get her to run. And if so, they might very well drop her in at the convention. Um, But other than that, they've got a problem. I mean, there was a poll. I can't remember who did it. Um, I don't know if it was maybe a Harris poll or something. About a week ago, they polled uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, Newsom and Gretchen Whitmer against Trump just to give the Democrats potential alternatives, since those are the two that I guess have been talked about uh, the most as, you know, new candidates that they would drop in. And Gavin Newsom and Gretchen Whitmer are both like down 12 to 15 points to Trump. So like you don't get better with those guys and mostly because they've got horrible records on COVID and everybody remembers them from that. Um, You know, so those are not really solutions at this point. And, that you know, they may end up stuck with Kamala Harris if they can't uh, parachute Michelle Obama in, because how do you pass up a black woman when you've basically established black women as the core of the Democrat Party at this point? I mean, you know, I, uh, you know, <laughs> they've got almost 100 percent support from black women um, because of Kamala Harris being the vice president. And because of Katanji Brown Jackson being uh, now a Supreme Court justice. So if you pass up Kamala Harris for somebody who's not a black woman, I I don't know what you do. Um, Like uh, that may that may harm that party in ways that they can't recover from in the near term. So. You know, I like I don't know. I think they're in I, I think they're in some trouble. I think that the uh, at least from a from a traditional politics perspective, uh, the Democrat Party is uh, they managed to escape a wave election in 2022, um, largely because of problems that you had on the Republican side. And I don't know if those problems have gone away, but Ronna McDaniel has gone away. Mitch McConnell is going away. Kevin McCarthy is going away. Uh, so, you know, you may have a little better Republican Party. And then the question is, you know, are the Democrats uh, capable of taking a loss? You know, there's something. One other point I would make is uh, there's a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was Rasmussen identified a group of people that he called the one percent. And they're largely uh, upper class white voters who went to selective universities uh, and are you know, hardcore leftists. And these these are people that, that are fairly influential, particularly within the Democratic Party. And 63 of them, uh, 63 percent of them said they would rather cheat than lose an election, mm-hmm. um, which is a bad number. I mean, and it's a it's a scary number. So how much influence do those people and, and folks who think like them have in the Democrat Party? My guess is it's it's, you know, way disproportionate. And that's that's not that doesn't bode well for at least the short term future of the country and what this election cycle could devolve into uh, if these guys feel like they're going to lose fair and square. Yeah. Well, you know, 
it's a great point, and you're absolutely right. Uh, I would throw out one new name I think should be a quick front runner for the Democratic Party if they really want a black woman. Fonnie Willis, I think, has proven herself oh, I, I, I'm to be. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I'm so glad. She exemplifies the Democrat Party today. She absolutely ought to be the nominee. Not afraid to lie in court, not afraid to go after Trump with the dumbest ideas, and certainly not afraid to steal taxpayer money. Uh, uh, Scott, real exactly. quick, uh, let everybody know She's where they can find the <laughs> Let everybody I'm know sorry, where they can again? find the book, and uh, feel free to oh, share yeah. any websites. And, of course, sure. if you're still inviting people to follow you on social media, let them know the handles and the platforms they can find you on. Right. Uh, check me out on Twitter at The Hayride. Um, and uh, you can read my stuff at spectator.org, where I'm, that's the American Spectator, where I'm a senior editor. Also at The Hayride and, uh, .com and Reviver.com, which is R V I V R.com. And you can pick up the, actually the book sold out at Amazon when an interview I did with Tucker Carlson uh, over the weekend popped. But you can pick it up at calamopress.com. In fact, they're even running a, uh, a, a discount on the book this weekend before it goes back on Amazon. So calamopress.com, you can pick up a copy of uh, Racism, Revenge, and Ruin. All right. Thank you so much, Scott. appreciate you being here. And we'll definitely have to get back together again sometime soon. Still lots to talk about. And uh, it's always a good time talking to you. God bless, Godspeed, and keep up the great work. Thanks, Tim. Have a good one. You too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Scotty McKay. And we are going to take that uh, reset. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do you mind telling me what this is all about, mister? You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Tim Tap, host of Tap Into the Truth that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Network. to the truth.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you so very much as we dive headlong into hour number two of tonight's live tap into the truth. Thank you so much for being here. As always, I appreciate it. Uh, we're in just a smidge long with our conversation with Scott McKay, but you know what? Good conversations sometimes they're hard to break up, and we've got a little flexibility here. So you know, just. I didn't feel the need to rudely interrupt. Besides, we were having kind of some fun there, and I was enjoying it. Anyway, I want to remind you fine, fine folks out there that if you are feeling like things are about to go sideways, then you're not alone. In fact, if you're not feeling like things are about to go sideways, maybe you should seek some help because it's crazy out there, guys. The border's wide open to the point that we have – foreign nationals roaming about everywhere. Uh, There is real danger. We have a guy, a geriatric freaking weekend Bernie's commander-in-chief, so-called, that doesn't seem to understand how ice cream is made, but he's an ice cream expert. That's about the only thing he knows, uh, other than keeping those depends full. Uh, It's scary stuff. I say all that just to say this. If you need to build up your readiness supplies like, I say, survival food kits, uh, backup electricity, water filtration, anything like that, nobody's better positioned to help you than our friends over at 4patriots.com. Go there right now, 4patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. Two reasons why you want to add the backslash in the uh, T-A-P-P. Number one, it lets you know, lets them know that I sent you, which means you're going to get some really cool stuff. But it also lands you on a page that's set aside just for listeners of this show. And you get to see this week's deals and discounts. You're right there at the start. So it's a great place to to begin if you're just starting your preparedness journey. And it's also a great place to land if you're well into it and you're just looking to add some things at a good price. Either way, you can't go wrong. And oh, by the way, just because that page is set aside for listeners of the show, you're more than welcome to share it with anybody you think might need to get down that path as well. Get ready. So I'm saying, don't be afraid, don't panic, don't be scared, just be prepared. They're ready to help you. So one more time, that's four, the number four, all right, the number four, hit the number, boop, four, fourpatriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. All right, I'm going to look over here into the window with the curl. We do not have Jason Shepard with us just yet. Uh, hopefully, uh, he'll join us here in a minute. Uh, he's been a busy guy here lately. Uh, as you know, he's been on a few times with us. He, he is the founder of the Wimkin social media platform, and uh, they've recently uh, started a dating app called Date on the Right. And uh, he spent some time uh, at CPAC, as so many conservatives did this past week. So I was kind of hoping to discuss those things with him, get a little uh, information and insight since he's in that tech world. And I wanted to discuss this insanity that we've only kind of skipped around a bit on the show to this point. Didn't really delve too deeply into it because I was planning on having this conversation uh, in regards to Google's little – experiment in, with the Gemini AI where no matter what you asked for image-wise, it couldn't seem to create an image that included a white male. 
In fact, it didn't seem to want to produce images of white females either, but you were way more likely to get one of those. Uh, ask for a picture of the founding fathers, and you get a black version of George Washington, an Asian version of <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. Just insanity. They put a, a little a pause on it, and the problem is it's extremely racist. And they put that implicit bias, that DEI bias, that anti-racist racism so deeply into the AI that it's not capable of even understanding that the bias is there. That's what happens. This AI is still a question of computer programming. It's still a case of garbage in, garbage out. You know, it, it's not a new phenomenon. We see this type of thing going on quite frequently with all of the versions of AI. And AI is getting more complicated quite frequently. AI continues to build up and be something that is now getting more akin to an actual intelligence that should be of concern. Not because AI can't be used as a tool, not because we would actually expect one of these to become sentient and turn into Skynet and start sending the Terminators after us, although, you know, honestly, it could happen. Uh, but because if you're going to implicitly put so much racist bias into the programming, if it does become sentient, if it does reach that uh, moment uh, that's referred to as the singularity when it comes to AI, uh, that moment where suddenly it no longer requires human input, that it starts reprogramming itself, it starts learning on its own in a real fashion. When the artificial intelligence becomes a actual intelligence, when it gets there and its starting point, its jumping off point happens to be all this implicit racism – what do you think the response to humanity is going to be? I mean, sure, it's going to have that, okay, I'm against all the white people initially kind of thing. But once the white people are under control, what's next? Do you think that the computer with the ability to access the internet, with the ability to gather uh, all of the information that we have available uh, at our fingertips, do you think for a second it's not eventually going to come to the conclusion that, uh, you know, there's a lot of reason to be concerned about sub-Saharan Africans? You know, they have a long history of warring amongst themselves and, and in trading captured uh, individuals from other tribes and, and slaves. And, well, that's what was wrong with the white people. So now these people have the same problem. Uh, they're next. Do you, is it that big of a leap in logic? Now, there's the problem right there, right? I mentioned the word logic. I mentioned the fact that, oh, here we are talking about what sounds like a fantastical Hollywood script on the one hand, but is now our actual reality as artificial intelligence garners speed, as we get closer and closer to quantum computing, as the technology starts to reach a level where something akin to a Skynet could actually 
actually happen, and we still have to deal with the fact that we're going to be facing a situation where the real problem isn't with the artificial intelligence. It's with the human heart. We still can't bring ourselves to program this thing in a fashion that is reasonable, that is going to be colorblind. Why? Because we live in a time now where you have all these folks out here that are grifting off the idea that it's time to push back against racism, not by ending it, but by promoting it in the other direction. Promoting the idea that you can only be racist if you're in a position of power. And of course, the only positions of power are held by white people. Although, there seems to be a flaw in that logic too. Again, I know, I know, talking about the left and then using the word logic, they don't go together. I get it. I, I concede that point. But I see a lot of people of color, as they like to say, in positions of authority now, in positions of power, making the choices. They've been put there, sometimes not always due to merit. Why? Because merit is an act of white supremacy, so we can't do that. But the point still stands. There's a lot of people that are not white that are in a position of power. So how long is it going to be before they redefined racism again? Because they're not going to they're not going to pretend like, oh, well, you know, black people can suddenly be racist because the whole point is they're pretending that black people and uh, brown people and uh purple polka dot people, they can't be racist because they are the oppressed. They can't be the oppressor. So even if a few of them manage to get in a position where they do have enough power to oppress, they can't acknowledge it. So they'll just redefine it instead, right? This is what we're used to. We've seen it. And somebody I know, especially if there's some left-leaning whiny individual out there what are you talking about tim you're just making that up you're shooting from the hip and that's just world-class bovine excrement right there well actually they wouldn't say that because that's my phrase but <laughs> the point is we've seen it before the very nature the the whole redress of creating a definition of racism that requires power at the onset is a redefining because racism is very simple. You, you don't need power to be racist because you have the power of your own hate. You have the power of your own prejudice. You have the power to make life difficult in some fashion directed at others who have abilities, that have positional authority. It doesn't matter. I could be the most oppressed individual on the planet, but through the power of my hate, I could reach out and I could commit heinous acts against an individual if I was so motivated, if I let that type of mindset take over. And as a result, I then have power over the other person. That's still racism. If that anger, if that hatred is directed simply because you look different than me or you have a different religion than me, and that's the only thing that matters to me because I'm not going to take the time to get to know you as an individual. I'm just going to act. That's still racism. Oh, well, obviously, religion is not racism, but bigotry is bigotry to a degree. 
Hmm. Uh, Got to break any time. Okay. And, I mean, it, it really does come down to a very simple, fundamental set of circumstances. When you let woke, left-leaning people who believe that they are the science run the science, then nothing good is going to come from it. And you're going to see more and more examples of this. And right now you're going to see an example. When when Gemini AI comes back out, they're going to have toned down the obviousness of those implicit racial biases. But they're still going to be there. These people are just going to try to hide it a bit. But they don't want to take it out. They are still in the midst of trying to promote this idea that everything white is bad. That everything based on individual liberty is bad. That everything that is the actual honest and true founding of the United States of America is bad. They refuse to acknowledge that more people have been raised up out of poverty due to free markets than any other system. No, 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 no. We have to pretend like collectivism is better. It doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what else happens. We have to acknowledge that that is the mindset of the people that are controlling the technology. That's why it's great when we see something like Getter or then we see something like um, – uh, oh, sure enough, I'm forgetting. What are we talking about? We're talking about Tusk. When they add their versions of an AI, that, that they're keeping it under control and they're keeping those biases out of way. Um I guess at this point we're going to uh, cut a little early to make up for the long ride. And uh, we'll be coming back in just a little bit. And so don't go anywhere. Um, We'll continue right after this. Hi, I'm Dr. Carol Lieberman, a Beverly Hills forensic psychiatrist. And you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. When one looks at New York Attorney General Letitia James, one has to wonder, is she just power tripping? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, Letitia James ran for office on the campaign promise to take down President Trump. Mr. Trump is being taken to the cleaners financially because he is on a mission to lead a populist movement centered on putting the United States' interests above those of China, illegal border crossers, etc., etc., Ms. James is part of a leftist legion of black females from across the republic who are helping her white leftist overlords destroy our exceptional nation way of life. If it were someone else other than President Trump daring to do what's good for our national interest, the power-tripping AG, Letitia James, would be going after them with the same vigor. In addition to President Trump, 
New York Attorney General James has filed a lawsuit against JBS Foods USA for supposedly misleading the public about its environmental impact. She said the beef industry is one of the largest contributors to climate change. Hmm. The truth is, Letitia James is a power-tripping leftist to help destroy stability in the United States. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern. To find out where, go to theronedwards.com. Second's goal is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds Coffee Display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE10 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning Homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top 6 in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Hey, Jared, what's up? Well, my company gave me this Pride T-shirt. They say i got to wear it to celebrate the LGBTQ. That's not really my thing, and, well, I sure as hell don't want to promote it. Yeah, I can understand that. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm just tired of all this woke bullshit. I mean, I've worked 20 years for this company. Well, they've been great until they started all this crap. I just want a job where I'm not forced to support all this nonsense. Yep, I hear you. I'm Andrew Krabschett, CEO of RedBalloon.Work, America's woke-free job board. We connect good employees with great companies without all that woke bullshit. So if you're an employee who's tired of all the nonsense, then put your resume on Red Balloon. And if you're an employer looking for hardworking, reliable job seekers, then post your open jobs at redballoon.work. I'm Andrew Krabschett. Wait, no, it's okay, guys. That's just my last name. I'm Andrew Krabschett from redballoon.work. Check us out today. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free. 
You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Matt Fitzgibbons. This is Amy Hallam. This is AZ. Sharing the night together. Sharing the night together. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for sharing Friday night with me. Glad to have you here along for the ride. And, uh, you know, I, I can't thank you enough i really do appreciate it it's friday night you could be doing almost anything uh, that is of course if you could afford to go do anything and thanks to bidenomics but that's another story uh before we jump into uh, our next segment which uh, we will have our next guest on with us she very graciously decided to to come on a little early and, and i will thank her for that once we get her on but before we do that i do have to ask speaking of bidenomics and speaking of the economy have you been considering any at all possibly using gold to, you know, help hedge against inflation, uh, serve as a backdrop uh, to try and preserve your wealth? Uh, if you put any thought at all to that, then you should call and get the free investor's guide from Harvard's Gold Group today. Uh, you really, really should. Okay. Whether you've been thinking about diversifying to protect your hard-earned wealth or you just want to have gold in hand because they will send you physical gold and silver if you like, or they'll set you up with a gold IRA. Either way, you're going to be, uh, if you'll forgive the pun, golden. Uh, this is a great opportunity, and they are the premier conservative gold group uh, and there's no question about it five-star ratings across the board they're better business bureau approved i know i say this a lot but those are important points they're not fly by night and they're not shady or flaky i trust them i do business with them i buy stuff from them uh, and i love it uh, having physical gold in hand is awesome anyway one way to get that free investor's guide, and that is to give them a call. Go talk to them directly. That's what I would highly recommend, although you can visit them online. We'll get to that in a second. Give them the call. Ready to jot that number down? It's 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. You call. You talk to a person. You be sure to let them know you heard about it on Tap Into The Truth, and that will put you in line for additional promotional opportunities with uh, qualifying purchases. Uh, check it out. You can go to harvardgoldgroup.com. If you do that, be sure to use promo code TAP. That's T-A-P-P. Accomplishes the same thing for you. Gets that extra promotional gold or silver available for you. Uh, you just can't possibly uh, jump right in. They'll help you. They'll put you in the right path. And if you're not ready for investing in gold, they'll tell you that too. Honest folks. Great folks. I trust them. I like them. Uh, again, that's Harvard Gold Group. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome back to the show a worldwide known forensic psychiatrist. In fact, she's known around the world as America's psychiatrist. She's the host of Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. And the Terrorist Therapist Podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show once again, Dr. 
Carol Lieberman. Uh, Dr. Lieberman, thank you so much for joining us again today, and especially thank you for coming on just a little bit early uh, since our uh, earlier guest wasn't able to join us, and you just kind of jump right in. Not everybody's that flexible, so I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. All right. Before we jump into anything, uh, I'd like to start off by just asking how folks are doing. So how are you today? Well, it's rainy in Los Angeles. It's coming down in buckets, and so I had to end my. Uh, it, it ended. It started raining at the end of my writing lesson, so <laughs> I'm all wet. Basically, that's how I am right now. <laughs> well, I, I suppose there are worse things, but that's still not a whole lot yes. of fun. So, uh, <laughs> at least now you're. You're here with us, and we can have a conversation where maybe we can find a, a little bit of positivity, but uh, I, I don't see where we're going to get it. Uh, obviously, we've talked about a lot uh, on your previous visits about the mental fitness of one uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Uh, we mm -hmm. talked about having these cognitive tests. Uh, being done for presidential candidates, period. Uh, we've talked about the pros and cons, why we should, and how unlikely our current weekend at Bernie's commander-in-chief uh, would probably not only not do well, but may set all-time lows, much like his approval ratings. Uh, but with all that being said, uh, I want to give you a moment to kind of take a victory lap because you did – warn everyone uh, as loud as you could so uh, i'm going to let you start with your victory lap uh, give everybody sure. that big i told you so yes it is i that's you know it's very frustrating quite frankly um i did tell everybody so back in 2020 when biden was hiding in his basement so trying to not let us all see just how compromised he was even back then and, um, you know, because of my work as a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness, uh, my cases include cases where competency is an issue, you know, like for wills and things like that. Was the person competent? Uh, did he have all his marbles at the time that he signed this will over to one child instead of the other child, for example? So, so that's how I was able to sort of spot it very early. Um, and I called it encroaching dementia. I was warning people he has encroaching dementia. And it has encroached progressively uh, since then. And it seems to be encroaching at a faster rate these days, you know, than it was the, the prior you know, few years. Um, and so we are in a mess. He has made a mess of America all the years that he has been in office in so many different ways. Um, from the, the biggest thing that I'm just outraged about is the surrender in Afghanistan, which has, which has changed the world, changed the balance of the world. Um, everybody saw that he was totally lost, and he made a huge, lots of mistakes in that. Well, he shouldn't have surrendered to begin with, but, but the way that it happened it was just a mess. And so that is when our enemies felt like they have the green light to do whatever it is that they want. So we had Russia right after that invade Ukraine, and now Russia is threatening even more, you know, nuclear war and all of that. And then we had we had China, of course, um, acting up. We have uh, Iran. We have um, North Korea. You know, all of our enemies have gotten the green light. Uh, there's no president in America. You can do what you want. Nobody's leading the ship. 
And so, um, and then of course, you know, all the other, the specific other kinds of things that he's done from the border to the fact that he brought over 80,000 Afghans um, and they weren't all vetted to the fact that he's now, the, the thing that's really uh, worrying me the most right now is um, how he, well, Biden, first of all, we all know that, well, I, I mean, I, I hope people, people are waking up to this part too. Um, I've been saying this for quite a while, not, not since 2020, but um, for quite a while about how, how Obama is pulling the strings of Biden. And so the biggest danger now, other than, other than Putin threatening nuclear war, um, is what Biden, what the Obama-Biden White House might do in terms of Israel. That's my biggest concern because, um, you know, the pro-Palestinians and pro-Hamas protesters um, have, especially in some of these stops that he's been at, like in, in Dearborn, Michigan in particular, for example, you know, but not just there. They've been threatening him. If you um, keep arming Israel or giving Israel money or whatever, supporting Israel, um, then we're not going to vote for you. And, of course, Biden wants to get elected again. And so, um, and so it's, it's, this is a dangerous state, dangerous situation for Israel. Yeah. Well, you know, the most amazing aspect of that particular point you're making uh, to me is the fact that the majority of the Democratic Party, uh, especially rank-and-file voters, are still very pro-Israel. I mean, it's it's close to 80%. He would literally be doing better if he would have went with his initial reactions of, uh, we stand with Israel, although there was a lot of talk, and I think he was basically seeing a, a great excuse to uh, send more money to Ukraine. And, of course, that's been the stick with everything to try and send any type of aid there. But instead of sticking with that, He's allowed himself to be manipulated. These, uh, his polling has him ridiculously low. He's very unfavorable within the party. There's a million and one reasons why they're ready to let him go, not the least of which is his cognitive ability or lack thereof. So he finds himself trying to pander to groups that he's not likely to win anyway. Uh, the the grandstanding on the border uh, here just the other day, and then all of these statements that he's made trying to pander to pro-Hamas uh, individuals, uh, it is a frightening thing. And Israel, while they're more than capable of taking care of themselves in general, they do rely heavily still on getting support from us and we have made a promise uh, entered a covenant if you will to yeah. be that strong ally there and if that gets broken then lots of bad things will follow here but they've certainly already opened the door there what do you think is the bigger concern though uh, is it a uh, the damage that's being done with our relationship with Israel, or is the wide open nature of both our northern and southern borders uh, allowing uh, Chinese nationals, uh, sub-Saharan Africans, uh, people that are uh, known cartel runners, uh, and uh, which one of these aspects is more disconcerting to you? I mean, they're both pretty bad. Well, yes, I mean, they're both very bad, uh, outrageously bad. Of course, as a Jew and someone who loves Israel, I sort of put that on top. But, um, you know, it, it's not 
I mean, the thing that, that really um, is, is so hard to, you know, you mentioned, I do the Terrorist Therapist podcast, and I have been working as a terrorist therapist, you know, helping people cope with the memories of 9-11, um, cope with the threats of terrorism, um, you know, telling people that this is not over, you know, the terrorists, <laughs> the terrorism, and I'm not the only one, well, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it on my podcast and so on. I mean, it's, I've been saying it lots of places, but even, I mean, if you don't believe me, at least believe the son um, of, of the Hamas leader. He came out after October 7th, and he said, um, and and I, this is something really that's been known, except, you know, except in America, where a lot of people don't pay attention to these things, but... Um, but jihad, I mean, terrorists, radical Islamists, want global jihad. Yes, they, they teach their kids um, to, to destroy Israel, to destroy Jews. That is only first. Israel is the canary in the coal mine. That is not all. Like, let's say they did, God forbid, um, come in and, and attack Israel again and destroy Israel completely. Let's say they did it from the river to the sea and all that kind of stuff. Um, that is, it's not like we're going to be safe. You know, it's not like we should, there would be a celebration. I mean, you know, from people who, I mean, yes, people who don't like Israel would be celebrating. But the thing is, they are coming after us. And in fact, they're already doing this in Europe. Um, Radical Islamists have taken over Western Europe, France, Belgium, um, Germany, and, um, and now, and England to some degree, but just recently, just this past week, this is what I did my latest podcast on. Um, the, this last week, they they keep raising the ante, these protesters. And this past week, what they did was, in London, they um, flashed um, anti-Israel sentiment, and notably from the river to the sea, um, on Big Ben which is a part of Parliament. It's all part of the same building. And, um, and, and, and they did it at a time, purposely, when Parliament was voting whether to call for a ceasefire, whether they would, I mean, not that they could you know, literally call for it, but to like, show their support for a ceasefire. And what happened was the MPs in Parliament have gotten so frightened of the violent radical Islamists in England, that they, there was just chaos. They didn't complete the vote because the ones who would have voted on the side of Israel were too afraid to do that. And so it just kind of ended in, in chaos. Now, when, when radical Islamists can, can have that power to destroy a vote in the parliament, that is a bad sign for us. <laughs> you know, it's getting closer and closer to us in America. And people here don't have a clue. They're like uh, in denial. You know, they're like paying more attention to uh, TikTok. You know, I, I mean, it's just crazy. It's like I, I feel like I feel like I'm shouting from the rooftops. Like Paul Revere, he shouted from his horse. <laughs> I feel like I ride a horse. So I, it's like I'm trying to shout to people: the, the, the terrorists are coming. The terrorists are coming. And um, and you know, nobody wants to. Um, Nobody wants to really believe that. I mean, it's such a scary thought that, of course, nobody wants to think of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the ultimate uh, situation here, and and I definitely feel your pain about people not paying attention, people not knowing, because I've been trying to 
mention on a regular basis about how the current regime in Iran, uh, they are Twelvers. They believe in the uh, coming of the Twelfth Imam, and they believe it is their duty, their responsibility to destroy the little Satan, Israel, and the big Satan, the United States. Uh, mm-hmm. If they do get their way there. Uh, we are on their target list. They do want to finish off Western Europe and uh, to take it over. They do believe in the worldwide caliphate, and it's it's difficult to get leftist uh, to to understand that because the only religion, the only faith they have is in the state. They don't understand that you should take people of faith at their word when they tell you what they believe and what they plan on doing. Uh, it's not like they're hiding it. It's just that people yes. here don't want to acknowledge it, and it, it is a terrible thing, and I, it, it breaks my heart. But at the same time, I do believe that at the end of the day, Israel will be fine. They will prevail because they've been surviving in a very harsh part of the world where they've had enemies surrounding them uh, the entirety of the current existence, and they know what to do, and they typically win – uh, very decisively, very quickly. Uh, so I, I think historically speaking, and I do believe that there is that supernatural aspect too in so much as I believe God is still uh, holding their, his covenant with uh, the Israelis. And, and that's why I feel it's very important for the United States to maintain its covenant both in the region and in its own founding. And, and we find people who no longer think that a covenant matters. They don't even understand the concept anymore. They have a hard time understanding why you should keep a promise. So why would a covenant be even yeah. more important than a promise? But uh, all that to the side, uh, circling back around to Joe Biden, uh, if the government was working the way it's supposed to, we would have before now seen the vice president and the cabinet move forward in trying to uh, – triggered the 25th Amendment. But the Democratic Party doesn't care about doing things like it's supposed to. They care about maintaining power. And politically, it would decimate their ability to control things if they were to do that. If Kamala Harris suddenly became the president instead of the vice president, they would lose their tie-breaking vote in the Senate until she selected someone new. And chances of her selecting somebody as a VP that could get past uh, to then suddenly uh, take that spot that wouldn't be a senator, which then would take away their uh, their 50-50 uh, hold, it, it would uh-huh. be a mess, and they couldn't sort it away. So I'm sure that's a big part of their calculus. But in your mind, is there any legitimate reason why the 25th Amendment hasn't been triggered uh, other than the political aspect? No, I mean, certainly there is there has been enough um, reason for it. But, you know, um, I mean, getting back to Obama, I mean, he loves it that Biden is um, doesn't have all his marbles because that makes it a lot easier for him to determine what the policies are. Uh, He would also have that with Kamala. But I mean, although she's kind of a, um, you know, a what's the word you know you never really know what's gonna, what she's gonna do um but but you know um i mean we we just recently we had the um robert her 
for who was the um, special counsel, and he was investigating Biden. In- of his classified documents, you know, compared to what Trump did or didn't do or, you know, the question of what he did with the classified but Biden didn't have a clue where his classified documents were. You know, they were in his garage. They were all over. And, and certainly um, Robert Herr found that, you know, that there would be cause to charge him. But he didn't charge him because he said um, – Basically, that he was not competent to stand trial, that the jury would find him um, as a, what did he say, a, a, um, a, oh, like an old man with memory problems, basically. Right. A sweet old man or, you know, a, um, something like that with, with memory problems. Um, a a well meaning so, elderly gentleman. <laughs> what, what? I said a well-meaning elderly gentleman who had yeah. trouble remembering things. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, so okay, so he's not competent to stand trial. So that basically says that he is not fit to be president and that the 25th Amendment would apply. But, um, you know, but they're not doing it because I, mainly they're afraid of com- everybody's Everybody's like um, on, on edge. Um, we're like on a precipice, hoping that Biden lasts, which I'm not sure he's going to do, quite frankly, at the rate that his, he's been deteriorating. Um, but people are hoping that he lasts until the election and hopefully you know, Trump will win and we'll be safe. <laughs> but um, but that is very it's very precarious. It's very iffy. And then, of course, you know that he had his uh, annual physical, which was such a joke. His annual physical, all of two and a half hours, 20 doctors and two and a half hours, the medical board should take away their license. Um, They need cognitive exams, the doctors, because they didn't do a cognitive test, which is absurd. It's malpractice, really. Um, And they found other things, but, you know, they they played everything down. They tried to say he's not really worse off um, significantly than than the last time, and when they didn't do a cognitive exam either. and so it's it's just it's everybody's pretending it's like uh, the the emperor has no clothes but nobody's saying it. All right. Well, uh, let me ask you this: uh, we've seen him struggle giving speeches. Obviously, uh, he constantly loses fights with uh, teleprompters. Uh, not something that used to ha- happen, but we've seen this. We we did see him in the last State of the Union address. Uh, I mentioned that because we have one coming up. Uh, we saw him get through the first half fairly well, and then we saw him starting to drop off. Now we have seen him skip a very friendly interview at the Super Bowl because they feel like they have to bubble wrap him and keep the perception away. We saw him uh-huh. uh, demand to give a uh, primetime address where two minutes in, you suddenly see him go from, okay, he seems fairly sharp and crisp to you start seeing it set in in his eyes, and then he gets to a point where he starts to slur, and within every minute or so, it progressively gets worse. Do you think that he can manage to get through this upcoming State of the Union address, or uh, do you expect they're going to come up with some excuse to cut it short, uh, Some something pop up as an excuse not to do it, or 
is this just a case that they have to run with what they have? What do you what do you think is going to happen here? I think maybe they're going to pump him up with more Adderall than they did the last time. (laughs) (laughs) But can you imagine him? Let's say he gets through that. But can you imagine him in um, a debate? I mean, he he was he was so horrible last time around. Can you imagine him in a debate with Trump? I mean, it's kind of like you you feel sorry for him. Yeah, yeah. I I really think they will absolutely not. They'll they'll claim he's an insurrectionist, and they're not going to justify or elevate him or give him a platform by sharing the stage. Uh, I, I, a million and one excuses that they've already floated out. Uh, clearly, uh, he, the less he talks to the public, the better off they are, and they're already just not doing that well. Uh, it, it's shameful. But as we continue to uh, to look at what's happening, uh, just the level of decline, it, it seems to have accelerated so much in the last four months or so. Uh, is this a fairly common thing, or is this a little bit worse than usual? Well, you know, part of what determines how um, quickly dementia accelerates is stress. And surely he must be under a lot of stress um, as president and as pretending to be president and as being, you know, worrying that uh, any minute there's going to be a slip up, um, you know, that's going to reveal just how how out of it he is. Um, Plus, you know, there's all the pressure now uh, about his son and about uh, money and, you know, taking bribes and all of that. And that's obviously uh, having to weigh on him. Uh, I mean, that's a lot more serious than the things that uh, Trump is up against, although, you know, it's ridiculous, the things that they trumped up against Trump. Um, but, you know, but there's a, a ton of, of stress. And then, of course, the election and then, you know, the, the uh, more campaigns uh, stopped. And, and I think I think he doesn't realize sometimes, at least sometimes he doesn't realize just how badly he's coming across. And so that's why he thinks, you know, it would be good to do campaign stops. But he he doesn't realize all of these mistakes that he's making and how serious they are. And it's not just memory problems. It's things like um, being emotionally volatile. That's another sign of dementia. And it's things like being disoriented. So like whenever he finishes um, reading the teleprompter, he never knows where he is, you know, and that always, uh, that's always a dramatic sight. Um, and what else? Uh, of course, abstract thinking, you know, um, not being able to plan strategies. Um, it's a word salad. Uh, confabulation where he sort of makes things up to try to hide that he forgot something or doesn't or doesn't know where he is what what he just did you um watch trump's um cpac speech yes yes i did wasn't that fabulous um i mean i i actually came in a little bit uh after it started but at the very beginning he was reading the teleprompter and that was you know that wasn't his finest moment but then he went off teleprompter and he just started talking and he was brilliant talking about being um in in air force one uh flying over iraq you know trying to settle the isis problem and um and there being no lights you know having to have no lights when they land and how he was scared i mean it was very different he's 
they people you know people talk about how narcissistic he is blah 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 but um here he was very self-deprecating he was funny and then he said something about I bet, like he started three different uh topics and um and he said i bet you think i'm not going to be able to, <laughs> to remember to get back to the to the first topic that i started and then of course he did and he was he was really um entertaining and charming and brilliant yeah well, Trump is always at his best when he's just speaking from the heart. Uh, he, uh, when he's uh, focused at just connecting, he's phenomenal. Uh, it's part of why he was great on television. It's part of why he's great uh, in crowds. He's and unless you've seen him actually in the crowd and see the interactions, you probably have no clue how good he really is in those situations. Yeah. But you got a glimpse of it there. And, yeah, it's just a night and day difference. It's like Donald Trump's not that much younger than Joe Biden, but he's clearly so much sharper. He's clearly yeah. able to deal with stress, and he understands – how to deal with people. He understands you don't deal with everyone in the exact same fashion, hence the art of the deal. Hence him saying things that pokes and prods. Uh, obviously, he got a lot of people very unhappy the other day when he talked about uh, how Russia should uh, attack NATO nations if they're not pay paying their fair share. Now, clearly, uh -huh. he doesn't <laughs> want NATO countries to be attacked by Russia. What he's saying is if you're not going to pay your dues, if you're not going to put in your own effort, your own blood and treasure to defend yourself, you shouldn't expect somebody else to do it. And the left wants yeah. to attack on it, and nobody wants to understand the point. But at the end of the day, it's about treating different people in a different way that gets the best result He's a natural at that. He's a master negotiator. But uh, before we wrap things up, I also want to say one of the most frustrating aspects of the uh, uh, classified documents issue, Kerr uh, was absolutely right with his assessment as to being able to get a conviction. But nobody bothers to take the time to continue to point out that, oh, by the way, uh, Biden should have never had access to those documents. None of them. He was either a senator or he was the vice president. He had no authority uh -huh. to have it. Same thing with Hillary Clinton. She should have never had those documents either, and she clearly obstructed justice. It comes down to one set of rules for one side and full-blown lawfare for the other because how dare we stand up to the regime. Uh, it makes me very angry, uh, Dr. Lieberman. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to to leave things kind of there. So again, I want to thank you for hopping on a little early and having an extended conversation with me. It's always great to talk to you. Before we say goodbye, though, please let everybody know where they can find all your work, share all of your websites, and if you invite people to follow you on social media, feel free to share those handles and platforms as well. Sure. Um, well, the main website they should go to um, these days is, well, uh, the state of the world is terroristtherapist.com terroristtherapist.com. There's lots of videos and all kinds of information. And also there's my book, uh, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's um, a book for children and their parents and their teachers. Um, on, on Twitter, I'm at Dr. Carol MD, which is at D-R-C-A-R-O-L-E-M-D. 
All right. Again, thank you so much for joining me as always. Pleasure to uh, speak with you. Glad we had a chance to get together again, and I hope we get to do it again sometime soon. God bless, and keep up all the great work you're doing. Sure. Thank you very much. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr. Carol Lieberman. And, uh, you know, if you haven't checked out her stuff, you really need to, although at this point, I have to express some level of disappointment in you guys if you haven't, because, I mean, come on. Uh, how could you not? Dr. Lieberman is literally a firebrand when she gets fired up, and I love uh, her passion, and I love the fact that she doesn't let uh, things get in the way of her moving forward with that passion. Uh, there will be links in the show description if you're listening to the podcast, by the way. But uh, for those of you that are listening live, you're always welcome to go back and check out the uh, podcast archives and see stuff that maybe you did miss. After all, uh, not every show is the Friday Night Live show, so you're missing some stuff. And uh, we will be – well, we I will be doing some more stuff for supporters-only type content uh, upcoming soon on a more regular basis. But that's going to have to be it for tonight. So again, thank you for being here. As always, I do appreciate it. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Have a great weekend, everybody. And uh, hey, don't forget to come back next week. We'll do it again. Using both hands Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Malamine, and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well, I prefer the freedom Went to the tiny two to three Gives me more than a thousand yards To protect my family Everybody
is using both hands. Mm-hmm. 